1: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on Backheel.com with Jason Davis.
2: Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into Soccer Morning. Dealing with some weird issues here with my soundboard this morning. My apologies for that. We are underway. It is a a Monday. It is a post-Soccer Monday, which means lots to talk about in terms of results from the weekend full schedule in the English Premier League, lots happening in Spain, obviously MLS as we get closer to the end of the regular season. We've got Charlie Bohm coming up in a couple of minutes to go over the MLS results and talk a little NWSL as well, the semifinals in the NWSL season happening yesterday. We'll get to, uh, to those results here in a minute. As I said, it's uh it's Monday. Hope you're I'm waking up and clearing the, the the gunk out of your eyes and getting some coffee and all of those things. I'm trying to figure out again what the heck is going on with my music this morning. So very stuff, very weird stuff. All right, uh, I will sort that out on the fly. I will sort out the. Uh, I think I opened up the wrong file. It happens, right? You open up the wrong file and you move on. Uh, the the microphone's working and we're underway. Let's start with the news. Everton beating Chelsea 3-1 at Goodison Park uh, over the weekend. Big win for Everton. Huge loss for Chelsea, obviously. Uh, it's not going well for Jose Mourinho and company. Jose so frustrated after that loss that he went on a bit of a rant uh, in the aftermath. Roberto Martinez speaking to the media after Everton's big win. Jose Mourinho walking by, upset that he wasn't able to go first so that Chelsea could travel back to London because you know it's so far cursing at Roberto Martinez. That's how frustrated Jose Mourinho is right now. Uh, The uh, Chelsea situation uh, is getting out of control, as as I said, and now that we're a little bit into this Premier League season, five matches played for everybody, and Chelsea's down there in 17th position having conceded 12 goals, the most in the league. Chelsea, Jose Mourinho's team, has conceded the most goals in the English Premier League in 2015. That's stunning right there. If Newcastle beats West Ham today, Chelsea will be in the relegation zone. Now again, five matches. There's a long way to go. But that would be a surprise to everybody. Other Premier League results of note, Manchester United 3-1 over Liverpool. I watched the first half of that match. It was a disaster. I moved on. But obviously Manchester United pulling out a big win. they got PSV and the Champions League coming up. Arsenal 2-0 over Stoke. Leicester 3-2 over Aston Villa. Just a couple of the highlights from the weekend. As I mentioned, in NWSL playoffs... FC Kansas City crushing the Chicago Red Stars 3-0 and Seattle beating the Washington Spirit 3-0 as well. That game in Seattle. The final now between the rain and FC Kansas City. A repeat of last year's final will happen at Portland's Providence Park on October 1st. So that's coming up uh, in three weeks' time. I mean, a a big gap before that game. Uh, Two weeks' time, I suppose that is. A big gap before that game. But they moved that uh, moved that uh, clash to a neutral site in Portland to get the crowd and uh, obviously putting it on a Thursday in order to maximize the television exposure. We'll get to some other NWSL news here in a minute. MLS results from the weekend. Red Bulls coming back from a 2 nothing deficit to beat the Fire 3-2 at home at Red Bull Arena. Th- uh, L.A. and Montreal playing to a goalless draw. A little bit of a surprise there, obviously. The Galaxy can score a goal or two, in Montreal coming off of a win over Chicago with Didier Drogba scoring a hat-trick, so no goals in that one. A road point that Montreal will happily take. New England stays hot. Fifth win in a row, 3-1 over Toronto on the road. Toronto looked like the better team for most of that match, but New England capitalized on mistakes from TFC and win going away. Orlando City... Speaking of winning going away, 3-1 winners over Orla- uh, Sorry, uh, over Sporting Kansas City. No Kaka, no Darwin Sarin. Breck Shea came back and made an appearance in that match after a long injury stretch. in Orlando City with a big victory. It's going bad for Sporting. That was tough for them. They had played in Portland midweek. Then they fly across the country to face Orlando City on the weekend. Uh, but Sporting Kansas City needs to quickly uh, correct their course if they're going to be a threat in the playoffs. The crew beat Philadelphia 2-1. Kai Kamara scoring goals 19 and 20 of the year. He's the Golden Boot leader right now on 20 goals. And I looked up this stat. Fourth year in a row that the Golden Boot winner will have scored at least 20 goals. That's a first in MLS history. Never had a streak that long. Longest before was a three-year run with 20 goal scores. La Liga, Barcelona beating Atletico Madrid. Messi scoring the winner coming off the bench. Remember, he had... Uh, the, uh, a joyous event, the second, the birth of his second child, uh, very recently. So he did not start, but he did come on and make a difference. Ronaldo five goals in real Madrid, six, nothing thumping of Espanol. He also became real Madrid's all time leading goal scorer with that performance. There's the NASL or NWSL news. Excuse me. I was talking about Caitlin Murray at the guardian has reported that Orlando city is set to launch an NWSL franchise in 2016, the league owners will meet ahead of the championship game on October 1st to finalize those plans. Uh, lots of talk about MLS, MLS teams getting involved in NWSL. That's the latest uh, movement on that front. And Sepp Blatter could face an investigation in his role over the sale of television rights at a much uh, reduced price to Mr. Jack Warner. This is from uh, This is from the Associated Press. Swiss broadcaster SRF on Friday published a bladder-signed FIFA contract from 2005 that sold the Warner-controlled Caribbean Football Union rights to the 2010 and 2014 World Cups for a combined $600,000. Warner then flipped those rights uh, that were licensed to a company his family controlled for $20 million. Uh, The contract document appeared to confirm Warner's claim in 2011 after he left FIFA when he was implicated in bribery that FIFA let him control cheap World Cup rights in exchange for helping Blatter win presidential elections. We'll see if this comes to anything. The a former or sorry, a, a Swiss professor of f- criminal law, Mark Pieth, or Pieth, uh Says the investigation in Zurich is bigger. It is really about the whole institution of FIFA. They have been doing what they have been doing over the last 20 years. Some very tricky stuff that might even go towards the boss said bladder speaking of this investigation loretta lynch is in zurich today as part of a conference of uh criminal prosecutors uh she will have a press conference i'm not sure when that's set to go off i've seen some tweets about the security at that press conference so i imagine that's going to be coming very soon we'll try to keep a track uh, try to keep an eye on that as we go along here on on the show all right coming up i got my music sorted Charlie Ball, USSoccerPlayers.com, dot SoccerWire.com. He'll join us. We'll talk about American soccer. It'll be fun times. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Face are the crowd. You're talking too
3: loud.
1: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk
2: with Jason Davis. All right, we are back. Trying to get myself together here. I do believe Charles Boehm from MLSsoccer.com and SoccerWire.com and many other places is together. He's always together. Charlie, how are you? I'm doing fine, Jason. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Let's uh, let's dive in. Actually, I will start with the more important games. Uh, MLS regular season games with six or eight or ten to go, however Many of these teams have are important, I suppose, but uh, we do have the playoffs underway. The semifinals, which is all we get from the NWSL before a final, those are done. Those are dusted. We've got a championship matchup. Let's uh, let's touch on those two semifinals yesterday. I guess we'll we'll do it in chronological order. We'll start with FC Kansas City. They returned to the final with a three one a three nothing win over the Chicago Red Stars. Um, you know the this is not unexpected, I, I suppose the way that things played out this uh, this regular season. Uh, but what is it about FC Kansas City uh, that has them back in a final?
3: yeah, well, they've got you know they and and, and the other semifinal winner, Seattle are great examples of um, you know building a club culture, uh, hiring good people and letting them work, uh, you know great acquisitions, talent as as well as a coherent framework, tactical and sort of ideological uh, in which to, to fit it. Um, you know, Vlatko, the coach out there in Kansas City, has a, um, a very a pleasing style. He gets the right players for it, and then he lets them work. Uh, and it was a great example of that, both last year and, and then this year. You know, they didn't have the home field advantage that you would normally want in this uh, playoff format, but they made light of it going to, to uh, Chicago, jumping all over the Red Stars very early, and then, uh, and then riding it out.
2: You know, obviously, the uh, a lot of attention on the on the um, U.S. women's national team players in these squads as we get down to a final here. Uh, Becky Sauer, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) voice too. Becky Sauerbrunn, one of the heroes for FC Kansas City as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's look we we've been raving about Sauerbrunn. Well, some of us since long before the World Cup, but certainly she was uh, the class defender of the Women's World Cup and. Uh, had proven that for some time as well in NWSL play, and and continued, uh, you know, helping pitch a clean sheet just when it was needed um, that team. And of course, they've also got a, an emotional factor uh, driving them on as well with Lauren Holiday, um, already had her ret- jersey retired for FC k c She's she already knows she's riding off into the sunset after this postseason, and certainly that just gives a good team just another reason to to be focused and and effective.
2: Yeah, you know that's. Uh, I, I guess that's th- some of the undercurrent here in this t- particular NWSL season is is the retirement of a couple of different players and Lauren Holiday being one of them. Some of the attention being on not just her ret- her choice to retire uh, to start a family, but to but also the the reasons that this is necessary for some of these women. At the same time, you have somebody like Heather O'Reilly, who's uh, you know obviously an immense U.S. Women's National Team figure and still going strong here with <laughs> FC Kansas City.
3: Yeah, and, and I think, um, sorry, I've got to. No, baby absolutely. Me, so, pardon hey, the background noise. Speaking of family, go ahead, Charlie. She's, uh, she's going to do all the bad things she's not supposed to when she knows I'm distracted. So, <laughs> um, no, the, uh, the, you know, O'Reilly's a great example of a player that we haven't seen much of in, in uh, women's national team play lately, but she can still do a job. She brings very, very useful characteristics out wide in midfield. And again, when you know, we have so much veteran experience, uh, you have so you have a, a, a you know a, a very clear way of, of playing. You know, SCKC wants to get the ball down. They want to possess. They want to stretch the field, uh, make the opposition chase. Um, and uh, and yeah, and, you know, on the Lauren Holiday front, I strongly recommend everyone reads a, a great feature that Howard Magdal wrote. I think it was for Vice Sports at the end of last week about her situation. If you're looking for insight not only to her as a person, but the sort of the difficult landscape that these players are navigating in terms of Um, their life as players, national team versus club team duty. Um, the financials that, and the and the travel and the lifestyle sacrifices that all that all go into it. So the, that's good stuff. And and I think FC versus Seattle is going to be you know you love to see a title holder get to defend it in the big game, and you also love to see two really well designed teams go at it. Two teams that I think many people would say were the are the best not only in ML- uh, NWSL this year, but for the last year or two.
2: Yep, obviously uh, harsher on the Red Stars, I imagine. Uh, you know a little bit not going out like this um, from what I've from what I've seen maybe played better than the scoreline indicated certainly we know some of the stars over there including Kristen Press
3: yeah, Kristen Press is a great player, obviously, but maybe doesn't have quite as much exposure to these sort of moments just because of her age, and um, didn't quite have her finishing boots on yesterday. Didn't wasn't as sharp around goal as I think her team would need to be. You need to have so many things go right for you in that situation, and it just didn't break for for Red Stars.
2: The other side, you mentioned the Seattle Reign winners three nothing over the Washington Spirit. Um, this was Cam Little. This was Megan Rapinoe. This was a. It, it, it took a while. Um, It was an entertaining match, The, the rain dominating play, the Spirit trying to catch them on the counter, I suppose, but ultimately Seattle's quality shone through.
3: Yeah, I mean Seattle just they make it so hard on their uh uh on their home field. They press well, they can control the tempo, they have a lot of attacking weapons and they usually win the midfield and they they did on this occasion. And much as we saw in their last regular season game, which was a, a victory at Washington, they had a, a a plan and a coherent tactical structure to shut down Crystal Dunn, the uh the golden boot winner and and the runaway star of this, uh, season in general for NWSL. She was really, uh, really bottled up and struggled to create anything. And that left her team to defend most of the game. And, uh, they could do that quite well with Ashlyn Harris in goal, but ultimately their luck ran out.
2: Yeah. Tough on Ashlyn Harris and and Crystal Dunn, maybe the MVP of this particular season. We'll see last year's MVP, Kim Little. And, 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 you know, for people who don't Dive into NWSL quite as much as as maybe they'd like to, or aren't aware of, of the, the weapons that Seattle has outside of somebody like Rapino and obviously Hope Solo and Goal draws a lot of attention. Um, just give us a, a little background <laughs> on Kim Little and what she does. Yeah, so Scottish international uh, Jess
3: Fishlock, a, we- a Welsh international in midfield for them, also uh, Laura Harvey, the the uh, coach of, of the Reign, is uh, is known for being not just a great tactician, but she's also a very crafted dealmaker. And uh, much like MLS, NB Cell is not just about getting the best talent. It's about navigating a complex landscape of salaries and uh, international availabilities, right? So she picked two of the best players in the world who were not at the World Cup in Little and Fishlock, and so they were able to c- to continue in much the same vein during the World Cup, whereas so many of their other uh, ad- adversaries had to scramble and you know change the tactics or change the pl- the players and figure out how to how to cope cope without their internationals mm-hmm. with uh, little and fishlock and little is really one of the more exciting players in women's soccer she's uh, she's a she's a number 10 a playmaker in many ways but she's also a slasher who can get into the box and do damage on her own so whether it's creating herself or providing, uh, just a really fun player to watch, and and she makes the the rain a fun p- team to watch.
2: We we got a nice little detail when I was flipping over uh, back and forth between various sporting events. It was a busy Sunday, uh, watching some of the the rain spirit match. We got a little detail there that uh, there was a group text message going around between all of the uh, the coaches involved in the playoffs. I mean, that's I, I don't know I, it's kind of, <laughs> I don't know what to make of that necessarily, Charlie. I mean, I guess that's good. Uh, banter, <laughs> but this—I I, mean—that seems so NWSL. So, certainly, at this point in in the, the league's uh, growth, it's this league. It's a very small community still. They're trying to break out, but it, I, I guess it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, you know, there's the, the, a lot of these folks who have worked together in other settings. Uh, they know each other well. They, they live in the same world, and so there's there's both friendship and rivalry there. And especially Parsons, Mark Parsons, and and Laura Harvey, last night's opponents in the in the Washington Seattle game are uh our are, are good friends and and there's uh I think it's it's fun to watch. It's almost like a uh high school sports in the sense that you have a a mixture of camaraderie and rivalry among the leadership. So uh yeah and, and some fo- some fans and, and observers have uh, taken in another step. So there's some pretty funny stuff floating around there about this concept that that some of which is true and some of which isn't but uh, but yeah it's just an, another neat little angle of NWSL. These these folks respect each other a lot. Even as they go out and uh, and try and try and uh, beat each other up on the field,
2: and we get a repeat of last year's final with the rain and FC Kansas City. Uh, Just uh, you know, we got to wait two weeks, and you know there are reasons for that. I've talked to Jeff Kasuf about them before, and it's not a great situation to have that layoff. But uh, and we've got you know the women's the U.S. women's national team still on there victory tour, uh, and and there are TV considerations here. But it's at this stage for me. This is. It's gonna be in Portland. they should be a good crowd. It'll be on national television. What do we expect out of this match?
3: yes it uh, hopefully the the league's plan to to create an uh, you know this is an event to set it at a neutral right you know a non um uh competing location a predetermined location will add to the experience a bit. you know it does chop up the rhythm a bit to to move it for, so far into th- uh so far down the calendar but you know, Portland's just a great city for soccer. I'm sure they'll draw a good crowd. The question is, you know, will they be rooting for uh, K- FC Casey uh, to knock off their their rivals from Seattle and and prevent Rain FC from from lifting a trophy on hostile territory, or will there be a, a little bit of nostalgia for some of the um, Portland connections? You know, Megan Rapino is a University of Portland ex. There's a couple of other former pilots on that roster. Of course, I think we'll see the rain. Fans will travel pretty well. There'll be a uh, a good number of folks making the trip south to be there in person, and uh, and a, and a lot of neutral fans of women's soccer who want to see a great game, who'll be rooting for quality, who'll be rooting for the spectacle. And I think Merritt Paulson and thorn FC and the and the entire Portland community will will do their best to make it an experience. It's on a Thursday night, which maybe is not ideal, but I think from a TV standpoint, maybe it helps them. Uh, you know snuggle into a niche that gives them uh, less competition, uh, you know, some, some, uh, full attention can be paid, at least around the American soccer world, to this one. Uh, Thursday night, I believe that's October 2nd, so it's a date to circle on your calendar.
2: I think it's October 1st.
3: October 1st, yeah. excuse me.
2: And I know this because my birthday is October 3rd, and that's a Saturday, so there you go, Charlie. Uh, <laughs> the There are a couple other things swirling around NWSL. One is good, and that's the, the news that we're likely to get a, an expansion team in Orlando next year run, run under the auspices of Orlando City, and we'll maybe get to that. But the other thing is uh, the comments of Megan Rapino after the rain beat uh, the Spirit last night. Talking about the the problem that is being part of the U.S. Women's National Team victory tour and having to play for an NWSL title, um, you know, this is just one of those things that that women's soccer has to deal with right now. Or is there a legitimate beef to be had? I mean, what what do you make of Rubino's comments?
3: Oh, I appreciate her being honest. I think everybody who cares about the league uh, or a team within it uh, has recognized. The awkwardness and the difficulty of uh, of having these um, lucrative and well attended, but ultimately meaningless friendlies for the national team happening right in the middle of the league that the that the federation purports to be uh, you know running, helping to underwrite. Uh, it, it seems like the left hand and the right hand aren't on the same page in this manner, but. The, I think the federation would say, look, we're, we're going to new markets. We're getting the national team out there while their victory is fresh. Uh, there's tons of money. This helps pay the players. Um, but of course, we're paying the players who are already flushed by women's soccer standards, the, the women's national teamers who make more money than any other women's soccer players on the planet. And of course, they deserve it. Uh, they've won a world championship, they deserve to celebrate that. Uh, but, you know, Rapino finally came out and said, hey, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather be focusing on my club. Uh, exploits here. I'd rather focus on winning a trophy than than going to yet another friendly. So certainly, it's awkward. I, I, I think a lot of us wonder if there's a better way to do this, to get the league and the and the federation talking to each other. But it is what it is, and they're all left to deal with it as best they can.
2: Okay, let's turn now to uh, to some MLS uh, results from the weekend, Charlie. This is as I mentioned, coming down to the home stretch here for most of these teams. The uh, playoff jockeying is 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 fully underway. I suppose we could see some changes here in the, in the makeup of the, the, the playoff fields for both conferences. I think a lot of people have settled on these six being the, the Eastern six, uh, New York, D.C., Columbus, New England, Toronto, and Montreal. It's a matter of what order they finish in. And then out West, I suppose you could make the argument that obviously the Quakes are still in it, only two points back of Portland and, and Sporting. And then Houston, okay, uh, RSL with a win over Houston maybe puts themselves back in it. Even Colorado is only six points back and. Uh, it's it's I, I don't know I mean are we going to see some real drama here or do you imagine that there's going to be a separation based on the results that we've seen? Yeah, when you look at
3: the points per game stat, which I think is is more useful with a couple teams still with games in hand here, it can be a little deceiving. Um, and of course, you know, games in hand with Montreal, we've been talking f- for some time about how that that team's got to, games to play that they can you know take advantage of. But if you're not playing well, then you're just going to lose those games in hand or you're going to drop the points that they offer. But at the moment, um, PPG tells the story to me, you know, there's a, there's a significant um, gap between the folks that are in, in real contact with the red line and, and those who are not in terms of PPG. I mean, um, Houston and Salt Lake are, are, uh, are on paper in the mix, but I, I have a feeling that some of the same flaws that have, put them where they are now are going to continue to rear their heads. I don't know that either of those teams have convinced anyone that they're ready to, to go on a run. Salt Lake actually maybe be the, the closest thing to that. Um, I watched their game on in Houston and they were pretty impressive in terms of showing some of the combination play, the possession mastery, the, the control of a, a match's tempo that we're accustomed to their old ways. And now maybe, you know, it's possible that it's going to click into place for them down the stretch here, but they still have a, a real mountain to climb. Uh, the earthquakes, uh, you know, drop points this weekend, but I I do think they're going to stick around and they're in the seventh spot now. But uh, if Portland or KC continue to slip, uh, they're right there to take advantage. So I think you want to keep an eye on the earthquakes. Um, uh, uh, in the east, you know, so so maybe we'll get six from seven in the west and in the east, yeah. I, I just don't see anybody uh, really hauling themselves above that line. The the four teams in the who are out of the race right now who are below the line are just. Flawed in various ways, and we may see week to week that they'll show signs that they can do it, but can they do it cohesively down the stretch? Uh, I'm not so sure.
2: Yeah, well, look, okay, so we're, we, we, DC United had a chance to lock up the first playoff berth of this season in Colorado. They ultimately didn't get that done, uh, only get a point out of that match with the late goal from Steve Birnbaum, but they're still going to be there. New York's going to be there. They've got 3 games in hand on DC United and are level now on points, so you've got them as the odds on favorite. Not only to finish first maybe, but also win the supporter shield if you look at the way things are fleshing out. They win 3-2 on Friday night over Chicago, but they go down to nothing. Um, do you you credit the Red Bulls for their fight, for finding a way, for I mean ultimately it was a penalty that that got them over the hump there or are you worried about the Red Bulls' ability to really go toe-to-toe with some of the high, higher scoring teams in this league? I know, you know, th-
3: there are ways to beat the Red Bulls. Um, and I think the, uh, the Fire have been a tough matchup for them, both traditionally and this season. Um, and they, they beat them in Chicago a couple weeks back. But in terms of the, uh, the Red Bulls, I, I, I do. I think they're a, they're a shield contender. Um, I have a feeling they're going to come tops in the East. You have to have a really good plan in place to, to outwit that press. And you have to have a, a level of technical ability. And an understanding from your players to understand what's needed to beat that, you know, maybe you could argue there's a, a couple of different other ways to beat them. You know, I, I think I think a truly great teams can can overcome that press with just speed of play, combination one twos, playing around and through it. Uh, you could also try to bypass the midfield. You know, so so the Red Bulls may see that a little bit, but. Uh, I watched in person as DC United tried to do that on occasion at Red Bull Arena a few weeks back and were just utterly stymied in that effort because you got Miazga in in the center of defense there who's been just dominant in the air. He's been very, very good for his age. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of ways they can, uh, they can play chess, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, we see the physicality and the... The, the relentlessness of that press, but I think they've got enough intelligence in the technical area and in their collective IQ on the field that uh, that they're going to be able to to adjust in the in the flow of play. So I think that's a real contender, um, not only in the East but but it, for the league. I, I think they'll give a they'll give anyone a game in a one off MLS Cup situation as well. Should they get that far,
2: absolutely. And uh, you can imagine them leveraging that home field advantage. Now again, you know they obviously. Um, a club traditionally struggles to to make it uh, to make it deep into the playoffs. They have one MLS Cup appearance, I think, losing to the crew uh, six, seven years ago at this point. Uh, so they're looking to get back to that level. Uh, meanwhile, let's go out west because the Galaxy have been on a roll. They they hit a, a speed bump in San, in San Jose, which is a rivalry match. Maybe you throw the form out the window a little bit, but they lose one nothing, And they've been dominant at home. They throw up a goose egg against Montreal. Now, they get a point out of that match because they held down the impact Um, but what is it you know what was it about uh, about that match that prevented LA from being as sharp as you would normally expect them to be at home
3: well you know what I took away from that was we talk about Didier Drogba and other players of his level these sort of flashy expansion or uh, uh, designated player guys but um, Drogba showed what a well-rounded player he really is Um, he did a lot of grunt work Um, you know chase lost causes tried to hold the ball up um, Pressed defenders where he could, you know. Kept, I mean, the 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 sort of uh, structure of that team and the the discipline with which uh, the impact kept a clean sheet, which you simply just don't see very often at LA. I mean, that team has been scoring goals for fun for months now. Um, they are capable of romping on anyone, and I, I I did not think that the impact had a chance to go in there and take anything from that match, you know. But it starts from the front with a guy who's just as comfortable, uh, you know. Doing the tough stuff as he is the being the uh, the attacking weapon, the hat trick hero, you know. So uh, a, again, a real um, impressive statement of what a, a designated player really can be in this league. Now,
2: mm-hmm. uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Sporting Kansas City. Uh, they looked to be a threat in the West. They now drop down to fifth place. They're tied with Portland. Uh, on forty-one points, uh, I guess their tiebreaker right now is the fact they played one fewer game than the Portland Timbers. They're in. They, they had a really rough week. I mean, to, to have to go to Portland um, and then fly across the country and play Orlando City. They've they've also doubt been dealing with some injuries. Roger but out. They've had uh, a, a lot of problems. They've obviously been suffering from a poor run of form. They lose three-one. Is it really? Is it time to panic for sporting? We're seeing a swoon again. This is maybe something that requires Peter, Peter Vermees to really adjust on the fly, and I'm not sure he's capable of doing that based on what they've built their foundation on.
3: Yeah, well, they, there certainly seem to be folks pressing the panic button in Kansas City. Um, many feel the wheels have fully come off this team, uh, but this was a rough week for them. You know, two two uh, tough road trips. To uh, you know, artificial turf fields, all the short turnaround, all the stuff that comes with that, and and you know, the, again, the as we discussed in years past, and we've seen there there are drawbacks to the style, to the, the sporting way, and one of those is is the physical toll that it, in, it exerts on its players. You know, beyond just what it does to the opposition, um, and I think you saw some signs of that. Really, did not expect them to get beat as as thoroughly as they were in Orlando yesterday, but. Um, you know again, they're a team that that they have to be able to adjust when things aren't on for them you know typically we've seen them in the past they 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 make it ugly they grind out games. I'm not sure that they have quite the weapons right now in midfield to grind out games. You know, they're they're very shorthanded. They're missing some very important players, especially in the engine room, and uh, and that creates a challenge because there's a certain tone, whether they're playing well or the, or if they're grinding. There's a tone that you have to set in the engine room for KC, and and they're they're struggling to do that at the moment.
2: Absolutely, FC Dallas two-one winners over NYCFC at home. I, I suppose that's an on-paper expected win for FC Dallas, but. You know they're another team that, that's maybe a threat in the West. They've only they're only a point back of Vancouver, tied with, with the Galaxy. Couple games in hand on on those teams. Um, is is this Dallas team good enough, ready enough to make a run? I mean, I, I don't even want to really throw NYC into the uh, NYCFC into this conversation because they've been so bad recently. Uh, but FC Dallas has got to just continue chugging along here. Yeah,
3: that's, that, that's a well-rounded team that's showing they can play in different ways with different personnel. Um, they have to, I think it's tough to to bet on a team like that that hasn't necessarily gone deep in the playoffs much lately, so they're going to be playing teams that are very uh, acclimated to that environment, um, So so that's tough. They do have some things to prove to us, but... You know, and they gave NYC's uh, stars at one of those welcome to MLS kind of experiences. Uh, you know, on a, a warm night in uh, in North Texas, uh, you know, it can be very difficult, right? And and I think they're doing it in a way that's that's I really admire. With you know, from the ground up, they're making great acquisitions in South America. They're they're growing the kids. Nobody gives their the kids and their homegrown a better shot than Oscar Pareja. So I, I'm a Pareja fan. Um, I think he does have to prove to us that he's a, he's the kind of tactician that can uh, you know come up with wrinkles and nuances and and blunt the other team's st- strong points in, in must-win games in the postseason. But I think they're going to be right there in with a shout, and uh, I think it's going to be a tough out for anybody that meets him in the playoffs. The, t-
2: the hottest team in MLS right now is the New England Revolution. They've won five in a row. I think it's uh, s- uh, something like seven of their last eight or seven of their last nine. They go to Toronto. And they victimized TFC, who was probably the better team in, in terms of the balance of play. Uh, on a couple of errors, Fagundes with the goal, and some very nice stuff from from the Revs. Just like if you're gonna if you're gonna win on the road, that's how you win on the road. Uh, meanwhile, TFC taking it on the chin. Michael Bradley with a with a terrible error. <laughs> You know, give, give me a. The, the, I don't. Really, I want. The, I don't think these teams are going in opposite directions, but we're seeing the difference between a team that's confident in itself right now, knows who they are, knows how to play, and tons of attacking weapons. Clearly, with some defensive uh, things being sorted out, and a, and a team that's still so inconsistent with TFC. Yeah, I may not be able to put it much better than that, Jason. they're, they're uh,
3: I hear so much about TFC, right? And they've they've done so much. They have made so many moves. Giovinco, such an excellent player but that that back line just just is capable of producing an absolute um horror show on any given basis right and they've tried to uh shuffle the formation they've gone three in the back they've gone five in the back they're trying to figure out how to cover that weakness um, and it's just not happening and and right now you, you know even a young guy like Eric Zavalletta, who is still learning the trade you know the center back trade at, at this level it, it seems to maybe even be a better bet than their their you know um French acquisition Parquise. I, I'm, I'm not sure what the answers are for them back there, but it's going to be very tough to just outgun teams in the in the postseason. Uh, and again, as you said, the Revolution. Uh, they're they're my form team in the East right now. Again, they they have an experience level that may be able to get them over the hump against quality up op- opponents in the playoffs. Uh, they're capable of of doing some of the same things in many different ways in different contexts. You know, they can be direct in a way that's both efficient and attractive. Uh, they are. Capable of of holding the ball and controlling the tempo of matches. I, I just I think they've got a lot going on. And, and Lee Wen, after a really rough year overall, has, has hit his stride. He's showing that kind of dominance that we saw last year. And and uh, again, I think the Revs know who they are and what they're about and and what's required from them over the next couple of months.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm just, i just I continue to be sort of amazed by the depth that the the Revs have, particularly in, in the attacking end of things. I mean, they start. They start Hall at right back yesterday. It means Kevin Olsen's on the bench. London Woodbury's been a a figure for them this year, maybe inconsistent, and uh, somebody they can't rely on completely, but he's still there, and he's still an option. Yeah, Kobayashi can bring on late in games uh, in the midfield. Kellen Rowe obviously made a difference in that match. Yesterday, Juan Agudelo was at forward, and he's starting on the bench. I know we got reports he's coming back from a knee injury. Nobody knew he actually had, um, or or getting healthier from a, a, a knee tweak that nobody knew he had. So it's just amazing what Orlando, or sorry, what New England has available to them right now. And and if it wasn't for the Red Bulls finding ways to win, we might be talking about the Revs as favorites in the East again.
3: Yeah, well, it, look, those two teams had a, a pretty knockdown dragout uh, playoff matchup yeah. last year. <laughs> there she is. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. It's okay. They uh, had they had a, they had a, a great ma- matchup last year, and I have no reason to believe that they wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't do a similar uh, similar fireworks again. Whether it's in the uh, the semifinal round or the final round, yep. if they do meet up, it'll be it'll be must see TV. All
2: right, we're gonna let you go. Take care of your little one. <laughs> I'm gonna talk. I'm just gonna mention briefly. Kai Kamara deserves a lot of love for what he's done this year for Columbus. 20 goals now, 19 and 20, and a win over Philadelphia. Uh, this weekend and uh, right, it, it, just just give me quickly your MVP your top MVP candidate at the moment, Charlie.
3: Oh, that's tough. It's not supposed to, to hinge on team results, is it? But uh, Giovinco and TFC and and Kamara and and the crew are uh, showing us the, the the challenge inherent to voters in that. I mean, they they are they're both so influential to their teams, and their teams are so inconsistent. So you know, whether you want to say that that's signs of uh, of true value or or just a you know lack of the supporting cast that other worthy candidates for MVP have got. Um, I think uh, I think it's going to be Kamara and, and Giovinco down yeah. the stretch. Uh, even even bearing in mind some really impressive stuff by the likes of Robbie Keane, um, I, I think it's going to be Giovinco or Kamara. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, you get into individual voter preferences and peccadillos. And um, if I had to guess today, I'd say Giovinco's star power and sort of the highlight real nature of what he's done in toronto is is probably going to be the going to win out but there's still plenty of of ball left to be played
2: absolutely it's such a weird uh formula how good is the team how much do they need that guy sometimes a worse supporting cash actually helps an mvp candidacy we'll see how it all plays out charlie bow go follow him on twitter at cboehm and read his stuff all over the place charlie appreciate the time Thanks, guys. Sorry all right. for all the background. Chaos oh, it's fine. absolutely fine. Lo- family is life, and soccer is life, and whatever. Soccer boarding on a Monday. We'll be right back to take your phone calls. Don't go anywhere.
1: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on
2: World
3: Soccer Talk
2: with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning. The phone lines are open
4: 646-832-3909
2: is that phone number. If you have thoughts on the MLS weekend, NWSL, the Premier League, La Liga, Ronaldo's performance against Espanyol, uh, anything in Germany which I didn't touch on this morning when I did the news. Uh, what else do we have? The FIFA investigation. The the press conference going on right now in Zurich with Loretta Lynch and Swiss officials talking about what's coming up next. The Swiss AG saying, "quote We're not even at halftime yet," so that's something to look forward to. <laughs> we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get some more stuff out of this thing. I'm looking at Richard Conway's tweet, uh, a Twitter feed, Richard underscore Conway on Twitter. If you want to follow this, just some some highlights from this stuff. Um, uh, Swiss Attorney General House house searches have been conducted In western part of Switzerland Flats and Swiss Alps Seized 121 bank accounts brought to our attention Banks are fulfilling duties by filing suspicious activity Uh, Too early to name Specific figure of frozen assets Additional people have been questioned 11 terabytes of info seized So far in relation to Investigation Uh, Investigation is not even near the halftime break Helpful if all parties would cooperate more substantially. <laughs> uh, let's see. Loretta Lynch says, FIFA investigation has expanded since May, considering additional charges against, quote, individuals and entities. Uh, let's see. She did not comment directly on whether Seth Blatter was a target. Uh, she said, quote, to corrupt football people, quote, you are on the wrong side of progress and you do a disservice to the integrity of this wonderful sport. Uh, let's see, uh, won't comment if Sepp Blatter is a target of the U.S. investigation. There are a couple other people doing some stuff on Twitter. Uh, Loretta Lynch uses the phrase next round of arrests more than once, making it clear that FIFA in- investigation is far from over. Our friend uh, Simon Evans is also on Twitter with some comments. Looks pretty clear that it's going to be for- further fallout for CONCACAF and Comma Bowl in terms of the arrangements between them and traffic sports. Uh, which was obviously pulled into this investigation with Aaron Davidson indicted uh, and uh, several other figures involved in that company having been taken down. Investigation still looking qu- at, quote, business arrangements from first indictment. So more to come on CONACAF, comma ball traffic, ex- et cetera. So there you go. I mean, this is, this is going to be groundbreaking and, and ground shaking and, and transformative on some level. Remains to be seen if Blatter goes down. Now Blatter is planning to step aside. That new presidential election happening, or the February that we're targeting. That I mean, we're still, uh, we're still a, a good six months out, five months out from that thing. It's it's not necessarily imminent, and yet we've got people lining up to go after this FIFA presidency. And, and let's be honest about this: we don't care about, you know, we don't we don't need another uh retread. We don't need somebody else who's already been part of FIFA. To be included, I mean I, as much as I sort of respect Prince Ali and how what he did the last time around trying to go up against butter, I don't want to see him win. We need an outsider here, and I'm not sure who that is i mean there's a, there's a balance between experience and not being part of the FIFA machine, and we have to find where that is. Roberto, you're on uh, soccer morning. what's up? Hey, Jason, good morning. Good morning, my friend.
0: <laughs> I'm still trying to recover after that dreadful loss by the Giants last night. Ah. Oh my <laughs> that
2: was pretty bad. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Still 15 games left. Anyway, um, I want to talk about Chelsea real quick. Right. Um, obviously, they lost over the weekend to Everton, and they have a, a European match um, this week in about two days, or I think tomorrow. But let me ask you this. If they don't receive a good performance, which is highly unlikely, on the midweek, and then go to Arsenal... If they take on Arsenal during the weekend and not get any points whatsoever, a.k.a. an Arsenal win, will we see the pressure now mounting that maybe Jose Mourinho is going to get sacked
2: wow. by Roman Abramovich? Oh, my God. How, how, how unbelievable would that be? Um, you know, Roman is the kind of guy who would do that, but that would be, oh, my God. That, 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 I mean, certainly it's the nuclear option. I mean, the guy just won a title. It's kind of it's kind of a rough go to suddenly say well, but but, but I know expectations are incredibly high. Uh, let
0: me let me tell, let me tell you this: this happened to Di Matteo after he won the championship. Yeah, but League. but Di Matteo's not got, Mourinho. No, not
2: but Di Matteo's not Mourinho. It's a it's all it's not just about performance, right? It's about status, and there's not another mm-hmm. outside of maybe, maybe Pep Guardiola. There's not another manager on the on the planet. Who commands the respect that Jose Mourinho commands? Right? I mean, were we agreed on that? Simeone, Luis Enrique. No, 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 no. I mean, Simeone's had great success at Atleti, obviously, and, and Enrique's doing good things with Barcelona. But those are those guys don't have the the track. I mean, this is a. a Actuality.
0: Actuality. Too.
2: I don't know. I, I don't think I put them in this category. I mean, no, I don't. I just. I don't mean. I don't mean that they're not respected. I mean. Jose Mourinho commands the room. He commands his team. He commands respect. He is the boss in all senses. He can get away with things no one else can get away with. Even when he's criticized, it's got this undercurrent of we still love him or the people still love him or we still love his antics even if we deride them. The guy is – I'm not going to say he's untouchable because he's coaching Chelsea and and they have – like I said, they have high expectations and they have a crazy Russian owner, so you never know. But it would be it would be stunning. I mean, I I kind of want it to happen now, Roberto. I kind of do.
0: <laughs> oh my god, you can just imagine the entire media being at that story for the oh next few god. weeks. Yeah, you Time know, full and, role.
2: and and I would hope. Let's let's imagine Jose Mourinho gets fired as coach of Chelsea, as as manager at Chelsea during this season. What do you think he does? What does Jose do? Does he go on a flame tour? And just destroy Chelsea. Remember, this is the club that he talked about having his heart, and he's this is the club he loves, and this is why he came back. And he's mm-hmm. always he's always been a Chelsea man, and, and even when he went, you know, even when he left and and went to Madrid and, and an Inter and everything else, if he if he was five, I mean, wouldn't that be the ultimate bridge burning for Abramovich? And then to have that guy who, again, not only does he command respect, but he is. He's a media darling in the sense that they're going to, you know, they're going to be constantly asking him for his thoughts. He's going to be constantly, he's going to have every outlet he wants. <laughs> People are going to throw cash at Jose Mourinho to do the expose, to go on television and maybe analyze matches, but also just give, you know, give his thoughts about Chelsea and the Premier League and everything else. I mean, that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, of course, he's been an icon for the way football management has been for the last. Um Good part of the twenty, or I guess the beginning of the twenty-first
2: century. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, even though, although you know, obviously Pep Guardiola has had incredible success. Um, Obviously, there are other managers who have jumped up and made a name for themselves. But if you're talking about the manager of the twenty-first century, it's Jose Mourinho. There's no doubt about it. I mean, remember, this is the guy who brought a Champions League title to the last team that was not from one of the big four leagues. You know, he that every. Yeah, every single year we've had a champion from one of the big four leagues, and you have to go all the way back to 2004 in Porto to get to one outside. And it was Jose's team, and he did that. And he, no matter, and he now he's, all. he's and he's got Premier League titles and Champions League titles. And yeah, it didn't it didn't end well at, at Madrid, and that was always a weird fit because of their media uh, relationship with their manager, no matter who it is. It's but he's still Jose. He still has this bearing about him, and you know he's a petulant asshole. I, I can say that but he's he's a petulant asshole that draws attention.
0: Exactly. And, hey, who knows? If he does get sacked, and maybe, God forbid, something happens to Jürgen Klinsmann, let Senor Galati ring him up.
2: Okay. <laughs> you mean, if we think it's difficult to try to figure out Jurgen Klinsmann, <laughs> what would it be like? Ah, oh, man! Oh my God! I mean, like we, well, would... we're getting ahead of ourselves. I don't think he's getting. Yeah, I, I don't think he's getting I fired. I mean, yeah. they they could beat. I, I know they they got they got you know beaten by Everton this weekend and it was bad, but they could beat Arsenal. Uh, you know, this coming week. Who do they got in the Champions League, Roberto? Uh,
0: some team from Israel. The Israel team. Oh,
2: okay. Uh, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv. Is that who that is? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, they should handle them. They should. I mean, I do exactly. You know, they should but, handle them.
0: Let's just say maybe they go to Porto, lose there, yeah. not get any points, not get three points at their home games against the um, the Kazat- the Kazakhstan team. Um, yeah. Because you know the um, the Ukrainian team in the Mokiev. Let's yeah. just say that.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, the pressure comes up. You got you've got a lot of what ifs. I mean, you're building a, a, yeah, exactly. a, a you're building a, a popsicle house of what ifs, and and I I, I like thinking about the, that, but we've got a long way to go, I think. But and remember, this is I I mean, I don't know. Jose and Roman are boys. I imagine Jose can smooth talk Roman Abramovich. I, I, like I I know that the history isn't great from the last time he left, but he obviously brought him back for a reason. And again, he delivered exactly. a champion. He delivered a, a Premier League title last year. Uh, Roberto, I, I, it is early days. I, yep. I, I love these what-if scenarios, though. Thanks for the call, man. You got anything else?
0: Yeah, no problem. All
2: right, man. There goes there goes uh, Roberto up in Connecticut. Uh, let's see, we've got uh, Gio down in San Antonio. What's up, man?
1: Hey, Jason. Um, just wanted to ask uh, two related questions. You know that Leicester is second in the Premier League title right now
2: right (laughs) yeah five games into the season
1: okay so what is Ranieri doing right so far and is he Precky in disguise
2: (laughs) well first of all where's Precky hashtag where's Precky uh I used the uh I used the event of the U.S. Open final tennis final last night because Precky happens to share uh, a hometown with uh with Novak Djokovic so I mentioned where's Precky when I was watching that that match uh as for Ranieri I mean I don't I don't know. I mean, they're they're. I haven't had a chance to watch Leicester much this this season, to be honest with you. I've been focused on the mm-hmm. quote, the quote unquote big teams, but you know they obviously they, as you said, they're doing something right. And and yesterday, or sorry, was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday they did it at the yeah. expense of Brad Guzan, who apparently didn't look very good.
1: Uh, I think that's a very slight overstatement. I think I think Brad Guzan uh looked fine for a large portion of the match and I don't I don't know what happened to Lester in the second half that they uh suddenly decided that they wanted to play soccer but um you know for a large <laughs> portion of that match I, like I felt like Gr- Brad Guzan was perfectly on form.
2: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well I mean I, I think we're all you know, if you if you don't have a team in the Premier League, or if you're a fan of um, I don't know another mid table type of team, somebody who's going to finish, you know, below ten uh, but above the relegation zone, or something like that, then you're sort of you're rooting for for Leicester, aren't you?
1: Um, I don't know that I am okay. because I haven't seen enough of their games. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it's only five weeks into the season. It does feel a little fluky so far. Um. Especially when you uh, manage a somehow, you know, do you call us come from behind three two win uh, a luck or is that good management? Yeah, it's hard to tell.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, and certainly, it's Aston. They're, they're not it's exactly Aston Villa South too.
1: Southampton
3: last year,
2: right? It's it's Aston Villa. I mean, you take that with a grain of salt. I don't have uh, I don't have their full their full list of results in in front of me. Gio, I was trying to look that up. Uh, let me just see if I mm. can find that real quick. Because I mean, obviously. You have to take this in the context of the rest of their schedule. You don't say, "Well, they beat you know they beat they come back and they beat Aston Villa three 2 They're in second. They're in second right now. Um, everything's great because you have to consider who they've played so far. Uh, let's see. Exactly. That's all preseason. Thanks a lot. Uh, here we go. Uh, they beat Sunderland. They lost to no. They beat West Ham on the road uh, in London. They drew with Tottenham. That's Capital One Cup. They drew with Bournemouth, and they beat Villa. I mean, that's, you know, I haven't lost yet. <laughs> and that's that's probably good enough. I mean, and, and if nothing else, they're building their base to main sh- to make sure that they're going to be in the, uh, you know, above the relegation zone come the end of the season.
1: Yeah, it definitely looks that way. Uh, on the flip side, I think your last caller was just talking about Chelsea. Um I think I, I think I heard that um, if the result goes a certain way later today, Chelsea's going to be in the relegation zone week five.
2: Yeah, if if Newcastle beats West Ham today, because West Ham's in 10th, Newcastle is in 18th, they would jump over Chelsea on five points to Chelsea's four, and Chelsea would be pulled down into 18th with Stoke, only Stoke and Sunderland worse in the league so far.
1: That's pretty impressive for a. They're they're giving San Antonio uh, a run for their money on former
2: champions. (laughs) Yeah, the the not going well for the Scorpions down there. I mean, consider that we're only you know ten percent, twelve percent of the season right now. I mean, just thirteen, whatever. I'm rounding up thirteen percent of the season. It's 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 nothing for the full campaign, and there's a lot of time left. And but but you know, it's not that Chelsea's not playing well. And it's not that Chelsea doesn't, you know, isn't at the top of the standings right now or the top of the, t- it's that they are playing so poorly that they've given up the most goals in the league and they're down there in 17th right now. I mean, that, that's, that's the stunning part because even a team, even a, a top, even a top team who struggles, I mean, it's all relative, right? I mean, you could go, well, Arsenal's sure. not Arsenal's not playing good football right now. Arsenal's not great. Well, they've. They've, uh, you know, they've managed to to at least get themselves together enough to have 10 points and be in fourth place. I mean, at least they've done that, right? Oh,
1: sure. You know, it's it's one of those things that's weird about soccer. I was just explaining to a friend of mine who is a relatively new soccer fan um, that probably my favorite forward on the U.S. national team is Aaron Johansson. And she asked me why. And I gave her a nice little list of reasons. I like the way that he plays up top. I like the way, I like the runs that he makes. Um, I think he's very dynamic in the attack. And then she says, Well, why isn't he playing more often? And I said, Because he hasn't scored enough goals. Yeah. And in the end, you know, a striker is judged on the goals that he scores, and a team is judged on how many points they get, not how well they
2: play. No, absolutely. And and I am very much that kind of uh kind of fan where i you know i obviously in a perfect world i want my teams to play great soccer and i want it to be fun and exciting and aggressive and i want them to go for it but if they don't have the personnel to do it or the situation isn't right for that fine play some play some uglier soccer and win the game i don't care win the game
1: (laughs) exactly yep
2: all right Gio, got anything else
1: uh, no, man. Thanks All for right. taking my call.
2: Good stuff. Happy Monday. There goes Gio down in San Antonio. Let's turn now to Dan in New York. What's up, Dan? Hey,
4: how's it going, man? Hey, it's Stan.
2: Stan. All right, Stan. <laughs> what's going on? Stan, Dan, Fran,
4: Dan. Tomato, Tomato. I'm with you, man. Hey, um, just talking about some other guys that aren't performing well, like Jason Christ of New York City FC. You talk about a train wreck. Like that's turning out to be, man.
2: Yeah, you, you know what, Stan? Like, I di- hold on, real quick, because I didn't see any of FC of the FC Dallas uh, FC game. I didn't get the chance to watch that game. You know, I read the recaps. I saw that all three DPS got subbed off. Is that was that like a fatigue thing? A man, damn! It's hot in Texas. We got to get these old guys off. Or were they playing badly, man?
4: To me, I'm being honest with you. I think I think Christ is setting up the DP European guys to take the fall. Uh, he's a smart guy. When you look at the comments he made a couple weeks ago about, hey, this team needs like some leadership and all of that. They need to look in the mirror, or whatever. You, you know, I really think he's kind of like setting it up. So it's like, hey, it's not me, man. You know, like these guys, they they got they make all this money. You know, um, my teams usually perform good. I really think he's he's kind of like setting up the European guys to 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 take the fall for this one. And I'll be honest with you. When you look at this team, um, through whether it's the Super Draft or those trades that he's made, again, Velasquez, and getting, um, like, his guys there, you know, his picks just really haven't panned out. Outside of, like, Shelton, which, again, was, you know, a guy that came through college, like, those guys that have his fingerprints on them, like, they're just not kind of mustered. Like, Jacobson, like, Winger, these guys aren't good enough. And it, it it's clear. And from him to kind of, like... You know, really amp up the rhetoric recently with it being, hey, you know, um, we need guys need to look at themselves and all of that. Uh, You know, nobody's stupid here, man. We're New Yorkers, you know, like we read between the lines better than anybody. So it's, you know, uh, I just, I really think like the, the administration, kind of like the fans, the supporters group, really need to hold them a lot more accountable because.
2: This isn't real Salt Lake, you know. Fair, it's fair. Like, yeah. Stand, it's fair. It's fair to hold Jason Christ accountable for some of what's happened here. As I've I've said many times, I don't think he's a fit for that team. I don't think he's a fit for that group. I don't think he's a fit for that organization. I don't think he's a fit for New York. We'll see what happens at How the end of the it? year. But but I, you know, obviously the players need to take some of the blame. And you know, I just think that it's it, it's almost as if it's not really anybody's fault that it's a bad fit. I mean, it's it's. You can put it on City Football Group and say, "Hey, why are you forcing in players like Pirlo and, and Lampard, and to a lesser extent Villa, who's been pretty good most of the year?" Uh, you could also put it on Christ for say, you know, for his inability to sort of make his team work, knowing that he was going to have these guys in it. I mean, he had to know they were going to spend cash. He had to know what the plan was. Right. I hope that plan was communicated. I hear you with
4: that, right? But look at, this, look at Petty right? Yeah, look okay. at team like last season with the Red Bulls. Yeah. This is Petky for for everything that they say about Christ. He's a tactical, whatever it They always downplay Petty like, oh, he, he's just a guy that he's a motivation guy. He found a way to get Cahill to work. He found a way to make Thierry work, whether that's moving him out wide at times mm-hmm. or mo- moving him in the middle behind the striker or, like, just letting him really do what he needed to do. He found a way to make them work. He even eventually found a way to make Cahill some guy that comes off of the bench yeah. and, like, making the team work for it. You, you know, so, again, for, for us, for the New York fan base to not really, like, this guy's, his, he should be out of here. Like, let, I'm going to be honest with you. He has okay, well, three well, world class well, players. Whoa. Well, and, well. and, and, and this is the thing, even if he doesn't play the world class players, right? What's the secondary argument against him? He doesn't play the players that seem to have an impact on the
2: game. Okay, okay. We're talking about Poku. All right, no, Stan, I understand that. Uh, you know, no, po- no Poku, no party. I get it. Um, Trevor's jumping in here, and Trevor's a, a New York guy, and I know he's been out there. It's uh, it's also an expansion team trying to build a team in season. Pretty rare, rare for signings to stroll in mid season and really kill it. And he's got a point about that. And look, you know, I, I understand. So why I, was he in Europe for the year and a half
4: before? Or uh, okay, why okay. Was he, why was well, he going to Manchester? Okay, right. But but, but this
2: an expansion but, team, right? Let's. But, but okay, at the same time, though, I mean, I look, I know expectations are high, and that's just because you're playing in New York. I mean, it, you could, you they could roll out. A team that that only pays the salary cap and nothing more, and there would still be still be expectations because it's New York. The, those expectations only rise when you spend money like they're spending in an MLS context. But I I do think that we are we maybe get over excited a bit about the problems. I mean, I say they're a disaster, but only because they seem to project that image. But if we're ta- taking them in the whole picture and saying, okay, what is an MLS expansion team supposed to do? They're kind of supposed to do this. They're kind of supposed to not be good enough to uh, stand. They're, pro- they're kind of supposed to not compete on the same level <laughs> See, as everybody else. I, because- I respect
4: that rhetoric. I respect that rhetoric, but this isn't some this isn't some Frank Klopas guy. That's number one. Okay. This is Jason Christ.
3: Right,
2: right. Right. Right.
4: Right. So, so number one, you're going in this with with arguably one of the most sought after. Like everybody, like this, this is the pretty girl in the room, brother. You know, so you got him. Then, then you got the cash. You got the oil money. Yeah. So don't tell me that boy and Jacobson are, or is what? You no, know, he. This is what I'm saying. His fingerprints are all over okay, the Yeah, roster. but but I hear you. but, but, stay okay. it, but stay They it. gave him
2: the three DPs, right? Right. But his
4: fingerprints are all over the remainder but, but,
2: of this roster. But that's what I'm all. That's what. That's what I'm talking about, though. I think that. He is stuck because they, he okay. He knows they're going to throw cash at some big names and bring in big big name DPS, but that means that the rest of the squad is sort of unbalanced. I mean, Jason, and this is why I mean he's not a good fit. Jason Christ is not Bruce Arena, and I'm and, and that's. A criticism, but at the same time, nobody is. You know, he doesn't. Right. <laughs> he doesn't have that ability to say, "Okay, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have this guy who's on eight million, and this guy who's on six, and this guy's on five, and it's not gonna throw my team off, and I'm still gonna be able to go find legit, and we're still gonna, be- and there's no academy here for them to lead on either. So, you know, there's no Jiazi's artist to come to the rescue. I know Poku's kind of in that mold, but you know, there are some deficiencies in Poku's game that maybe I, I don't know. Maybe Christ can't get over. I- I think that ultimately this is going to end in divorce, but I don't think I want to say that it's Jason Christ needs to be fired or deserves to to be gone. Because again, you have created a situation where there are so many uh, differing like pressures and and people are pulling in opposite directions, and I just don't think that that makes for you know for a team that's going to come out of the gates and, and wow anybody. Stan, I mean, and they've had moments, they've had good moments. I'm going to be honest with you. I think Petty, and, and again.
4: I think when you look at what Petkey did, and, again, I'm just going off of Petkey because he's kind of like, for for me, in that Bruce Arena mold of a guy that, that guys threw the cash, or even a Siggy Smith, right? He one year. Because he, they, they splashed the class up there in Seattle. But for me, Christ wasn't a guy that knew how to deal with the money guys. Okay. You know? Yeah. So for, uh. so, for me, and, again, what I'm saying is he has the three money guys, right? But tell me what other players outside of maybe a shelter, right? That 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 his fingerprints aren't on, and those guys aren't performing, yeah. and he's still moving forward with them rather than having mixed and maybe yeah. the, the next the, next to Pirlo. yeah, and or maybe I, putting focal next to Pirlo. I've he, know, I've heard some he's things. He's putting stand. his guys there.
2: I'm gonna let go, man, because I'm gonna get somebody else in. But I've, i I hear you, and but I've also heard some things that have indicated that there is a uh, a, a disconnect. Even within that organization, between Jason Crisis guys and look, Chris Winger, Ned Rabavoy, uh Sebastian Velasquez, those are all XL RSL players. It's hundred percent Jason Crisis guys. No, no doubt about that. There are probably other players in that mix that are Jason Crisis guys. He throws in Aaron Jacobson uh, or Andrew Jacobson, but there's also guys that apparently are more Claudio Reyna guys. And when you have Claudio Reyna guys and Jason Christ guys and DPS, and you're throwing them all into a, a a big mix, and you're saying, "Hey, coach, figure it out." No single plan, not your identi- identity and how you want to play, but just here. Here is a bunch of here is a bunch of players. I think that that's that's never gonna work. I don't think it means Jason Christ is a bad coach. I think it means he's not a coach for NYCFC. And how great would it be? Not great, whatever. It depends on your opinion. How funny would it be to see the the ny to see NYCFC leave move on from Jason Christ? Maybe because he wants to move on too and and hire Mike Pecky, Aaron in Jersey. You are on the air.
5: Hey, how are you doing? I don't know if you want to keep following up on on the on, on, on NYFC, but I really think um, there has to be realistic expectations uh, of what it is to, to have a new club in MLS, which I think Beckham is really now looking at, given how much uh, uh, infrastructure NYFC actually brought to the table and still struggles. Mm-hmm. I, I just think, you know, if you look at it, they don't really have a functioning development academy. Um, it's really almost this kind of thrown together club. And when you're playing this kind of weird continental football, I mean, you know, MLS is this very funky thing where you're playing across a, a, a massive continent uh, across seasons, literal seasons. And it's a it's it's an endurance race. A friend of mine years ago called it the it's kind of like the Tour de France of football, uh,
1: yeah. you know, in and, in and, yeah.
5: and, it's like this wearing you out. I mean, the, the guy that's the best sprinter in the tour de France doesn't, doesn't win the tour de France. The guy in the best in the mountains usually doesn't win. You know, it's the person that can just survive and has the best team behind them. So I just think, you know, uh, the, the expectation cycle and it's New York city and everyone that goes to New York instantly gets on, you know, New York giants, jets, Mets, Yankees, you know, Rangers, Islanders, Knicks, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's a hard nut to crack, yeah. and I just think they're going to have to be. I think Man City is going to have to put significant resources, and I don't mean just talent. I mean people yeah. into this to make this work. Yeah. I mean I, I don't mean a few dollars. I mean hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, I I don't know where they um, I don't know and, where they
2: go, Aaron. I mean that's that's the question here. Okay, so you've hired. The one of the best young managers in MLS, and and, and I don't again, I don't think this this, this struggle with NYCFC means Jason Christ isn't a good coach. Maybe he's got something to learn with player management, May, maybe that's an issue. Maybe at RSL, where everybody was working on a budget and it was team is the star, maybe he can work that out. When you've got Pirlo, when you've got Via, when you've got Lampard, um, even when you have somebody like Mix Discarud, those I'm not just talking about egos, I'm just talking about the status thing. I mean, I, I, I think that. Jason Kreis is maybe struggling a bit to stamp this team as his with those overarching figures, and he's not going to shine brighter than Pirlo. That's impossible. How does that work? That's what I'm saying. So, but go ahead.
5: But if you look at it, I mean, I really believe it, and this is a fundamental challenge to the MLS model: is that when you start bringing in designated players, who arguably, if they got their coaching badges, could be UEFA. Pro A co- pro level, uh, level A coaches and probably ender VZ second you know uh, uh, a division head coaches, which means they'd be probably ahead of MLS coaches within a year or two. You have got to start really considering either bringing in number twos who are real European badged mm. respected mm. pro A level coaches, or bringing in number ones and surrounding them you know European number one coaches, bring, managers bring, and surrounding them with MLS guys. But this idea that you can go with this kind of, uh, and I don't mean to simplify it, but this purebred U.S. soccer, NSCAA kind of you know trained coach and bring them in with guys that have won Champions Leagues three, four times. I mean, look at Drogba in Montreal. You're telling me he is not basically rewriting the system of play up there for everybody and teaching them how to actually play attack football the way he wants to play, where he runs channels as a, as a, as a far post striker? Of course he is. The problem is, is that just completely rips apart any of the leadership in the place. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's almost like if Sandy Koufax could still pitch and he goes to a major league team, you know, like the pitching coach, what's he going to say in the meeting? What's yeah. the manager even going to say? I mean, it's just it's so restructure the balance in these organizations. And I really think it forces on them if they're going to get all these rock star designated players to start bringing in a European coaching talent well,
2: that they it, respect. Okay, maybe it's that. I mean, I, I don't know that I'm convinced 100 percent that a European coach is always better than an American coach. I'm not sure you're saying that, but you're, you're absolutely right in terms of you have to match, sort of match up the personalities, the ones that are going to dominate your team with the guy in charge. I mean, I'm you know, you're talking, and I'm running through my head about like you know the Bulls with Jordan, and uh, maybe the you know any team LeBron is on these. These guys are going – Kobe, uh, you know, certainly all basketball here, but, but there are other examples. These guys needed coaches who were either going to be sort of behind-the-scenes subservient and but able to work with them and not rock the boat and not cause a problem, or you need somebody who can rise above that level. I mean, it was Jordan's team, but you know Phil Jackson was still in charge. I mean, you still got the sense that when it came down to it, that was Phil Jackson's team if, if necessary – I don't know that we've got that sense with anybody in MLS outside of Bruce Arena I'll bring him up again. I don't think there's anybody else that you can know answer. who
5: I would I would I would bring in. I'd bring in Bob Bradley. It sounds crazy, but I think Bob Bradley'd be a spectacular. Well, and you know what? Bra- I think most people Go ahead. don't think he got a great shake anyway. Sure, sure. And what he did in Egypt, what he's doing in, in in Scandinavia is insane. I mean, he's taking a budget of like a USL team and making them the second best team in the in the, in the league. and so I think a guy like that could really, you know, he he can he can just bring together kind of these guys and say, look, guys, let's park the egos. You know, yeah. I've coached in the World Cup multiple times. I I've done don't... this. You know, I've done that. Let's, yeah. let's 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 get that out of the way. Now right. let's get the system of play right. and get going.
2: Yeah, you know what? Bob Bradley would not give a flying bleep if Pirlo thought it was his team or. If if uh, if Lampard was being, you know, precocious or 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 pretentious or whatever, or Lampard, yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> or or just Lampard, yeah. So Broad Bradley wouldn't care. He'd go about his business. He'd try to get the job done. He put he would play the players to win the game. JC Christ probably and, feels and, that pressure a little too much. Probably feels that pressure. Well, yeah, and, group and it's
5: hard to do it because when you have you know, let's be real here. You know, Man City is not the most it's it's a little opaque as an ownership organization. So, who are you really taking orders from? You know, and I don't mean this in some you know you know uh, guys with cigars in a dark room way. I mean this in just a practical way. You're showing up Monday, and you know you're you're not in this normal kind of college younger player setting where you're looking them in the eye and they know who's boss and not you know David is coming in on his own car and another guy taking a jet, another you know it It's just you're it's almost like they're just coming together for for training sessions and for games and and when you have this many rock stars, this has been the history in almost every sport. It's really hard in sports to bring together superstar teams,
4: yep yep because. Sure
5: is. That they they almost come with their almost preordained entourage sub team, mm-hmm. and you're and you're melding all these pieces together. Well, they're, and they're, and it it just it doesn't work really.
2: Yeah, I, I let's go, Aaron. I appreciate it very much. Uh, it's good yep, good absolutely. discussion. Thanks um, for the show. Great they, job.
5: Oh, and by the way, if you can talk next time about the Boca River Plate, I think that'd be a great one to to go into also.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I was, I would love to. I didn't get a chance to watch that last night. I would love to go into that. Who won that match, Trevor? Do you know who won Boca River? Uh, anyway um the uh, uh there there was something there at the end uh, you know it's almost as if when you have these guys and again not everybody in NYFC NYCFC is is a is a a prima donna not everybody is um you know not everyone thinks it's about them but it's also it's not even necessarily Pirlo could be the nicest guy on the planet but he's still his own He's his, his own planet with his own orbit and things orbiting around him. And that separates him from the rest of the group in a way that you can't account for until he's there. And then you have to adjust. And, you know, look, Trevor says, you know, any coach would feel pressure in, in the first year. And I agree. And again, the stage is large. And I, I, don't, I don't begrudge Jason Christ, you know, the right to go and challenge himself and try. Maybe it just doesn't work out. I, I, I don't know how much blame I throw at his feet. How much I blame my throw at NYC. Let's not make it all about NYCFC today. By the way, let me wrap up with this. Uh, last night on Twitter, Hunter Jumper, former Chicago Fire player, uh, drafty out of the University of Virginia, who's no longer uh, playing at the moment due to some health concerns, uh, went off on the Fire organization. We may look into this. I didn't get a chance to go over all of the. I didn't ch- get a chance to read some tweets on the air today. But he took some shots at the fire organization. Now, he undermined everything he said by being a jerk to a bunch of people who were questioning him on Twitter. He threw out some insults he probably shouldn't have. And now, apparently, everything is deleted off of Twitter. Of course, you know, it's the Internet. Nothing's ever gone forever. So we'll probably dive into this. I know fire fans wanted me to address it today. We never got to it. I apologize for that. We will probably take a look at it in the near future all right that's it we're done on a monday make sure you go to itunes leave us a rating and a review backheel.com's got a lot of cool stuff including a store we got some uh, youtube videos and the like over at soccer mornings uh, youtube page and uh, thank you very much to our friend charlie bohm and his his beautiful daughter his young daughter who's very cute thank you for her appearance as well i enjoyed that we'll talk to you guys on tuesday later
3: Disappear What I put my heart on every cursive letter Tell me why the hell